This is episode two of Women of the Military. I'm sharing my military experience. I wanted to let people know a little about me and my military experience. I'm your host, Amanda Huffman, and I am a military veteran, a military spouse, and a mom, and the host of the Women of the Military podcast. You'll often hear bits and pieces throughout the other recordings about my story, but this recording will be the answer to most of the questions I ask my guests. And if I missed anything, or if you want to know more about my experience, um, be sure to let me know and I can answer your questions in future podcast episodes or blog posts. You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you wanna be encouraged by stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Are you considering leaving the military? If you're planning on trading your combat boots for a diaper bag or high heels, you might have some questions along the way head over to www.airmentomom.com slash resources to get your free guide today. I'm Amanda. I'm a military spouse and veteran who served in the Air Force for six years as a civil engineer, including a deployment to Afghanistan. I traded in my combat boots for a diaper bag to stay at home with my first son, and I now have two little boys, um, and my husband is still currently serving in the Air Force, which has a station in Northern Virginia. I created a blog when I left the Air Force called Airman to Mom, which incorporates stories from my past military life and how I view life through my unique life experiences as both a veteran and military spouse. Uh, Women of the Military podcast was started after my 31-day deployment series and how I wanted to share the stories of women who served in the military. So the first question is, why did you decide to join the military? When I decided to join the military, I was kind of in a weird place. Um, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I was currently running cross country and track and I had been an athlete. Um, and I was going to college, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. I was majoring in math and felt like the only thing I could do at the end of that would be to teach or to become an accountant, which both of those I wasn't really that excited about. And then a few of my friends uh, started talking about either enlisting in the military or joining the National Guard or becoming an officer and for some reason, um, I remembered my parents telling me my senior year of high school that I should join the military, and I was like, that's never going to happen, and I guess that question stuck with me because I thought about that, and so I started looking into the military, too, because it seemed like a good idea. Um, I felt like it would help me with my sense of feeling a little bit lost and like I didn't know where I was going. And so I knew someone who worked at the Air National Guard. He was a chief 
and he came, I came to the guard unit um, in my hometown and met with him and met with the recruiter and started to do the process of joining the guard. Um, I took the ASVAB. I got pretty high scores, so I could do pretty much any job that I wanted, um, but I was trying to focus on the jobs that gave you bonuses, but none of the jobs that were there were really jobs that I should be doing or would have found purpose in. And so um, I don't even remember what job I picked, um, but in that time I went to lunch with a friend who was doing the Reserve Officer Training Corps, which is ROTC, and he told me that when he became an officer, I would have to salute him because I'd be enlisted. And I was kind of confused because I have no military background. I didn't even know the difference between officer and enlisted or what that meant. And so I asked him a few more questions and there just happened to be um, an open house because it was the spring of my freshman year of college. And I decided to go to the open house and I really, my parents with me, went with me to the open house and I just really fell in love with the program and I felt like I found that purpose that I was looking for. And one of the cadets that I randomly talked to happened to be an electrical engineer and he told me if I really liked math, I should look into engineering. And he was like, you probably shouldn't do electrical, it's really hard and I don't really like it. Um, and suggested I do civil instead. And I ended up doing that. Not a lot of thought went into it. And so I planned on my, in the fall semester of my sophomore year of college to do ROTC. And because I was at the community college and not the four-year university, um, I was able to do ROTC without any commitment and I could continue going to school at the community college and then I would just come over to the four-year university uh, one day a week to take my beginning intro class to ROTC and then a course called Leadership Lab and then I did PT twice a week which is physical training or working out um, and then do all my other classes at at the community college. And so it seemed like the perfect fit to continue to go to college and to try out the military without really having to commit to the military. But I loved it and ended up finishing my year left at the community college. And by the time I moved to the four-year university, I was on contract, which meant I got a scholarship, so I got my schooling paid for and I got a small stipend, and I really loved ROTC, and I actually really enjoyed civil engineering, so I never changed out of that career field. So while I was in the Air Force, I was a civil engineer, um, and Air Force civil engineers managed the base from uh, everything as much as plunging the toilets to building the flight line. So there's the way the Air Force Civil Engineering Squadron is made up is there's a bunch of smaller 
flights, which are like, um, there's the environmental flight and there's the engineering flight and the resources flight and the fire department and ops and readiness. And there's probably something I'm forgetting, but that's what I can remember off the top of my head. Um, and ops is the ones who go out and maintain the flight line and maintain the base and do all the little projects here and there to keep the base um, operational. And I worked in the environmental office, which did the like hazmat and the spill containment and that sort of thing my first year. And then my second year, I worked in the engineering office which was doing all the prep work because I was at Holloman Air Force Base and they were retiring the F-117 and they were bringing in the F-22. And so in the, I was in the SABRE office, which is an acronym, but I have no idea what it stands for. Um, but they do quick turn projects. So it's like smaller projects that are under a certain cap of money and it's like, pretty quick issues and because we had so much going on on the base we were really busy and we we're out on the flight line watching all the different projects take place and one of the times I got to go out with one of the airmen um, they're called engineering assistants and we got to go stand at the end of the flight line and the the German Toronados were at um, Holloman then and they were landing on the flight line and we were down at the end working on some sort of runway repair and that was one of the coolest memories from being out at Holloman Air Force Base but we went out every day and went and inspected the projects we were working on and I worked on the reports mostly in the afternoon and um, started getting ready for new projects so those were my two main jobs at Holloman um, and then occasionally I would get to go out to the ops area which had um, more enlisted people doing all these small projects and occasionally I got the opportunity to go out with them and see what they were doing and learn a bit about what they do just so that I would know in the future um, if I continued to stay in the uh, Air Force uh, all about the different aspects of the Air Force Civil Engineering Squadron. About two or so years into being in the Air Force, um, I got tasked to go to Afghanistan as part of a provincial reconstruction team, a PRT, which is a joint mission between the Army and Air Force, where we work directly with the people of Afghanistan to help them rebuild or reconstruct or make out of nothing. So we were working on schools, roads, bridges, and other various small construction projects like wells, retaining walls, etc. whatever the people needed. And as a civil engineer, me and the other civil engineer I deployed with kind of played a key role in helping to um, rebuild because we were the engineers who went out on site visits. So we planned a lot of the missions that we went on and we usually um, dictated where we went and what we were doing and then there'd be other smaller missions maybe they weren't smaller but they felt smaller because I wasn't really focused on them that other people on the team would play um, but every time 
that the PRT went off base or outside the wire to go and do something, there usually was a civil engineer there. The civil engineer that I deployed with, we would usually switch off on which missions we went on. Um, so that way one person would be back at the base doing all the paperwork and then the other person would be out on the missions. So when I returned home from Afghanistan, um, I was able to make a permanent change of station to where my husband had moved while I was deployed. And I worked at the Air Force Material Command doing energy management, um, which the president had issued a requirement for all federal agencies to cut their energy consumption by 30% by, I think, 2020. And so we were working on the, like, the behind the scenes to try and help people cut their energy and start projects to help replace and make things more efficient. So that was what we did at Material Command. It was a lot of sitting behind the desk and not out in the field, so it wasn't as exciting as my previous jobs. So when I was deployed, I faced a lot of challenges. I was part of the Army for those like 12 months, essentially. There was three or four months of training and nine-month deployment. And so I went from being in the Air Force to learning being integrated into the Army and their culture. And it was kind of a culture shock to go from what I expected in the Air Force to being in the Army. But overall, I learned a lot, and it was a good experience. And my job when I was deployed was to help to rebuild. It's not really rebuild, but that's what they say, rebuild the country. But there's mud huts and dirt roads, and we were putting in concrete buildings and asphalt. So we weren't rebuilding it. We were just building it or enhancing what was already there. But well, the province that I was assigned was Kapisa, um, and it's a small province. It's about the size of Rhode Island, and it's close to, it's east of Bagram and north of Kabul, if you know anything about Afghanistan. So we worked on building schools, government structures, roads, bridges, and other small construction projects. Uh, we would go on convoys to inspect the projects and we met with local leaders to help plan for future projects. We were out on the community at least weekly, usually more, um, and we had lots of interactions with the local people. And most of the missions that we went on happened without incidents. Where we were in Afghanistan, was a uh, pretty safe. There was Tajik people in the north and Pashtun in the south, and we were in the northern part of Kapisa, but we couldn't get to, even though it was only the size of Rhode Island, um, for safety concerns, we couldn't drive straight down to the southern section, so we would have to go around and go from Bagram and then down to Kabul and then up through the bottom um, just because it was safer for our team to do that. And then there weren't any roads to get to the northern part because there were lots of mountains 
and crazy terrain and just the way that the country was there wasn't a highway or a road uh, to get from where we were at Fob Morales Frazier to the top three northern cities so what we would do is drive to Bagram and then we would go on the road and go up and over the top um, into that area so for the top part we, it wasn't safety concerns, it was uh, just not being able to drive there from where we were. And so we would go to Bagram a lot. And so we would leave and go to Bagram, spend the night at Bagram, go out and do missions the next day or go to the base for the day and do some paperwork stuff. And then the next day do missions and then go back to uh, our fog. And then when we would go to the southern part, it would be like a week long trip because it was a lot farther to get to and a little bit more complicated because of safety concerns and the different work that we were doing. But we had engineering projects in all the different cities. I don't know what they were called, sub provinces, but oh, the districts. We had all projects in all the districts within Capisa. Um, and so we tried to go and see all of them. One time when I was out on a mission, we actually did get shot at um, by a few RPGs, which are rocket propelled grenades and small arms fire, which is like AK-47s. Um, but we were really lucky. <laughs> because it was our first stop of the, um, usually when we go on missions, we would go up and then we'd come back down and hit the school at the very end. But I don't know why, but for some reason we had decided to go to the school first and then go up probably just for security reasons to change up our plan. And so we did that and I don't think they were ready for us because they, started shooting at us when they didn't really have the best advantage. So we were able to run right back into our uh, up armored vehicles, which were MRAPs, and we were able to just drive back to the base and nobody was hurt. So thinking about that situation, I think that it could have gone a lot worse and that we could have had casualties and so I'm thankful that no one was hurt and that we were able to get out of the school. One of my favorite memories from being deployed was when I got to fly on a helicopter from uh, the Fabio at Morales Frazier to Bagram during the day. Uh, most of the time the helicopter flights were at night just for safety reasons. I was trying to get from the base from Fob Morales Frazier to Bagram so I could go on my R&R rest and relaxation to get some time away from being in the combat zone. And the flights kept getting canceled and the convoy we were supposed to go on got moved back. And so it looked like we weren't gonna be able to get off the Fob and to Bagram in time to make it on the airplane that we were supposed to take. But then, at the last minute, we found out that a general was flying into the FOB 
and that if we wanted to, we could just hitch a ride back to Bagram. So me and another guy were at the helicopter pad waiting for the helicopter to arrive. It showed up and we asked if they were going to Bagram when we jumped on and flew back. And it was just really cool to see all the projects that we had been working on and the roads and all the things that I had seen from driving, but from the sky. So it was really a neat experience and something that I won't ever forget. So there's a lot more to my deployment and I could talk about it for probably forever. Depending on my mood, sometimes I can answer lots of questions about my deployment and other times I can't. And today I guess I am in the mood to talk about it. So if you're curious to learn more about my deployment experience, you can always go to my blog. Um, I'll put a few links to my stories in the show notes so that you can find them easily. And if you have any questions about my deployment, feel free to reach out um, via email at airmantomom at gmail.com. And I will get back to you and probably write about it if you have questions about it. So, but even though I can talk about my deployment and I overall look back of it, look back at it as a uh, good experience and I'm glad that I went on the deployment. It was kind of a big turning point in why I decided that I didn't want to stay in the military. There were other factors too, but the deployment kind of got me to start thinking about, do I really want to stay in the Air Force for 20 years, especially since my husband's in the Air Force, and us getting stationed together will be difficult, and then deploying and having kids will make it even harder than it is right now. My husband moved from one base to another base while I was deployed, and so I came back to about like a suitcase full of things that he left behind for me and he had all the rest of the stuff in Ohio and luckily we didn't have kids or else my kids would be in Ohio too and that would have been really hard. Overall it was a good experience but it also was um, one of the driving factors of why I left the military. And one of the hardest parts of being married to someone in the military was managing both of our careers and working to get assigned at the same place. My husband commissioned a year before I did, and we were able to work with the assignment team to get stationed together for our first assignment. And then when I was deployed, he moved to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, doing the Air Force Institute of Technology uh, master's program. And my commander that was at home station while I was deployed was also married to someone in the military and he was able to work behind the scenes to get me a job at Wright Pat. But originally I had planned on getting out of the Air Force when I got back to the States because I didn't think I could get stationed where my husband was at and I just figured it'd be easier to get out. I only had six more months of time in service before I could get out and so that seemed like the best option. But since he was able to pull some strings and get me a job in Ohio, I decided to do that and it worked out. The deployment challenge added with a constant change of get, challenge of getting stationed together made it so it was the easy 
but hard choice to leave the military. And when <clears throat> I got pregnant with my son, I decided to put in my paperwork to get out of the military. And I officially left the military when my son was about four months old. And I thought it would be really easy to leave the military and stay at home and be a military spouse, but it ended up being a lot harder than I expected. And that was part of why I started writing a blog. And I'm gonna share my transition story in a later episode, so I'm not gonna talk a little bit more about that right now. And I just want to answer one of the questions that I like to ask all my guests is, what would you tell girls considering joining the military? And so I'm going to go back to advice that my commander gave me before I left for my deployment. He said, when you come to a great chasm in life, jump. It isn't that far. My deployment forced me to jump into situations I would have never done if it hadn't been my job and what was required of me. And what I learned from those experiences is that his words are true. It can be, it can feel really big and scary to join the military because there's lots of unknowns and you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. But if you have that drive and that if you want to do it, you can do it. And you will learn that when you jump, it really isn't that far. In the end, you'll learn that you can accomplish way more than you ever expected. I can't imagine my life without the military, and I'm really grateful for the six years that I got to serve in the military, and I think that everyone who has that drive or just curiosity to serve in the military should do it. You don't have to serve for 20 years. You can serve four, you can serve six, you can serve for whatever um, works for you and your family. And in the end, I think you will learn so much about yourself and you'll learn lifelong skills that'll stay with you forever. So that's what I would tell people who are considering joining the military. Um, I would tell that to guys and girls, but girls especially, because that's just where my passion lies. Thank you for listening to a little bit of my experience of what it was like to be in the military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the stories that are coming up with women who have served in our military. And a review would really help us out. It will show our podcast to more viewers so that they can hear the stories of women who have served in our military. And finally, if you are a woman who is either serving in the military or has served in the military, please email me at airmentomom at gmail.com and I'll set you up so you can either be on a future episode of the podcast, or if you would like to be anonymous and do it via written form, that is also an option. I know that privacy is important, and so if you would like to do that, you have that option as well. Thanks for listening, and if you have any questions about my military experience, please feel free to email me and let me know. Thank you.